Welcome to Wild and Weird Radio, a Wild and Weird West Virginia podcast. Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement, attic, crawl space, kitchen? I don't know where you go. Have you or your family ever seen a spook, specter, ghost, orbs? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up the phone and call somebody else other than us. Because this is Wild and Weird Radio. Actually, you might want to call us. Because we could actually do something about that. And tonight, you're going to find out why. What's going on, everybody? I don't know, but that's got to be the best intro of the entire series at this point. Because, yeah. you know, yeah. that that's that's hilarious. <laughs> I figured you would like that. I've been holding on good. to that one for this episode. That was awesome. Any any uh, reference to Ghostbusters is is always going to be appreciated. <laughs> so that was that was, that was funny. And I tweaked it just enough to keep the copyright you people did. at bay. You did. I noticed. <laughs> that was. I was just waiting for the punchlines. Like, where's it at? Oh my goodness. Oh boy. So. I, I guess people know what we're uh, what we're going to be doing. Uh, it looks like uh, we have the legendary uh, Dave Roberts in the house tonight. That is right. Yeah. Wayne is out gallivanting around, yeah. enjoying cigars and drinks with his toes and cheeks in the sand, yeah. while we're stuck here up north with Dave. Yeah, it's not right. <laughs> good to have you on dave <clears throat> oh thank you i'm glad yeah yeah good conversation tonight yeah it should be really oh this good. is actually going to be a blast because we've been looking forward to this specific show for a while and wayne was really bummed that he wasn't going to be able to make it for this one but uh you know we're gonna come back around to this one day and take a like more in-depth big word deep dive one day but today we're just gonna really give you a introduction and the why the when the where the belief systems and theories the science what are ghosts at least what we think they are <laughs> yeah or at least what we think they are anyway so where did all of this really start to originate cuz i mean this the the whole idea of ghosts and hauntings and whatnot uh, it, it's literally been around as long as we could scratch on cave walls, really, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean thousands and thousands of years back. I mean, uh, I mean, I think the history of man is. I mean, we've always been superstitious creatures by nature. So from the beginning, whatever that beginning could be, though. Yeah, but you know what? You know, you have to ask the question, don't you? Like, who came up with that? How did they come up with that? You know, I mean. I know that we have um, literary works and whatnot that that point. To, you know, it's the first time that ghosts were mentioned in literary works and, and and so forth. But the question to me is, where did that come from? Where did that even originate? Yeah, you know, it's like when we when we when we talked about doing this. Uh, I guess eventually it might be a series of of, uh, of shows from what, from what we understand. But yeah, it's kind of like Fallen Worlds. We want to do like a little little you know. A series within the series, so to speak, uh, of just the theme of uh, ghosts, parapsychology, the whole, 
you know, that, that whole thing and keep it in its own little area. Because there's just so much of it, you can just pull it apart and you, you have years of potential shows just on those topics, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And of course, when you guys pulled me into this, you know, you were asking some of my thoughts too. And, you know, it got me thinking about things a lot more too, like this, this history of the, of the phenomena mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, how far back it goes. And, you know, I mean, from whether you're a faith-based person or a non or, or an atheist or non-faith-based person, whatever, mm-hmm. um, everyone's had an experience. And, um, but the, the history of it, it just got me thinking uh, about it more. And I've never really looked into the history as much myself. So right. when that got brought up, it's like, and I, and I started doing some research on this, obviously I'm, I'm, and I'm still doing a lot of research on it. It's, it's mind blowing how much information there's out there on the history of this. I well, mean, how far back it goes. I mean, that was the whole thing that got me, um, you know, the trilogy of the Greek tragedies at 458 BC, I think was what uh, one of the quotes was that that was one yep. of the first, uh, that was one of the first yeah. entries into literature. Yeah. Which means that if that's the entry into literature, I mean, it's been, it's been talked about, you know, and we know that there was, I mean, come on, stories were passed by, like Joe said, scribbles on cave walls and, you know, well, stone you know, and, you, and verbal. We have some of these, some of these cave paintings that illustrate the upper body of a person, but then mm-hmm. the bottom is kind of spectral. Right. And not all those are aliens. Not all of those are tied to ancient astronaut theories. Some right. of those could be spirits. I mean, that's yeah. the the whole image of Casper the Friendly Ghost came from somewhere. It did. Yeah. You know, it this this you know, ethereal waist down but you know, human appearance from the waist up with the arms and the head and whatnot. Yeah. That yeah. came from somewhere and it it had its origins mm-hmm. on cave walls. And it's made its way through history, like you said, with uh, with the trilogy of Greek tragedies, and then you know the Roman Empire. Yes. And it just kept moving forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Pliny's tales of ghosts. This is a this is a quote. I'm not this smart in real life. I mean, I'm kind of smart, but like, you know, I'm not just going to be able to quote this. <laughs> We're not, we're not um, maybe the the Pliny's tales of a ghostly old man with a long beard and rattling chains who haunted a large house in Athens. Now, to me, that sounds like one of the ghosts of Christmas past, doesn't it? You know, yeah, like it is a straight Dickens carbon copy that they just lifted up mm-hmm. and threw into a modern Western story and made him the ghost of Christmas past. It, it yeah. And when was that done? What, the Scrooge? Well, we know when that one was, but when was the Pliny's oh, Tales? Oh, 100 AD. 100 AD, right? Yeah. I mean, wow. It, like you said, and that is a carbon copy of uh, of what we get later in uh, in some of like the European ghost tales. And, and you know, yeah. Yeah. It was very used yes. in a lot of literature. It became a staple and of what we envisioned these earthbound spirits, mm-hmm. so to speak. And that, you know, that, um, that's the symbology of the chain as well, you know. Exactly. So Yeah, that they're a prisoner. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's just amazing. If you really dive down into that and you look at this, 
is like, wow, you know, there's just so much there that is symbolic. But and there's just so much there that hasn't changed. Yeah, it hasn't changed. It's the modern haunted house story, you know, way, way far back. It absolutely is, yeah. Dave. Yes. And it's just amazing that of all things that we talk about, it is one of those constants in the paranormal, isn't it? I mean, there's always been uh, sightings. There's been, you know, they've heard these things. They've seen these things. And they're almost well, the, all the same. Another thing that crossed over from Pliny's tale is the unfinished business yes. motif. Yes. That's that's something that has also stuck. So the imagery, how influential these writings were in modern day ghost stories mm -hmm. and how much of it is rooted in, you know, reality, because this was it was it a story that was written for entertainment and then now has become like gospel for ghosts <laughs> right <laughs> right or, it's the uh what, what do they have in hollywood the bibles right uh yeah where they have the, the show bible so is this what that was you know is this it's yeah. the canon of ghost lore but uh you're right though you're so right about it it's like there's rules and uh where did they where did they come from so you know where it all started we don't really know we just know that it had a background at some point but, uh, you know, after the ghost stories, we do get into a point where it starts being taken a little more serious, don't we? Absolutely. Right. Nearly 200 years ago, which is really weird to say, about yeah, 1853 yeah. was almost 200 years ago. Yeah. Um, a, a chemist named Robert Hare conducted experiments with mediums and allegedly... There were positive results. Other researchers, such as Frank Podmore, highlighted the flaws of the experiments. As you do, I mean, literally, again, nothing has changed. People yeah. conduct experiments, somebody else conducts experiments saying, eh, you like had a bias here. Which, you know, to be fair, that's kind of our role anymore. Yeah. <laughs> is, yeah. is exposing the bias in other people's research. And, and kind of bringing them back to a fundamental science of all of the data on the table, guys. Yes. All the data. Yes. So, basically, Podmore highlighted flaws in the experiments, such as uh, lack of a control, which, which is very much needed mm -hmm. when you're doing comparative data. And if you do not have a control, then... You know, you can actually manipulate uh, very, very much the way that I'm going there again, man. Mr. Kill <laughs> manipulated his sources by leading the evidence. I knew you were going there. But, you so, know, it's a good example, though. It's not that you're beating up on is. Kill. It's that you're beating up on the uh, methodology. Method. Yes. 100% right. Yes. I understand. So we're seeing that kind of stuff still prevalent in modern day. And this is 200 years ago. We're seeing it today still yet mm -hmm. because, you know, you can't, you can't have these extremely biased reports, you know, as much as I'd love to see some of these um, DNA reports be actually proven 
that had to do with, uh, you know, the Paracas skulls or Bigfoot that all went through a specific lab. There's a lot of controversy around that lab. Yeah, because nobody, for whatever reason, will do independent studies on these things. And uh, are they not allowed? I mean, I think that's what that comes down to, isn't it? Like, I think it's... No, go ahead. Go ahead, Dave. Oh, no, I was going to say, I I, I think it's more because, obviously, I mean, for for us that have been in this, sometimes they're seen as quacks, you know, Mm -hmm. or not not taken legitimately or taken as serious scientifically. Sure. You know, but if they would allow some, you know, say we get five labs, right? And we're allowed to take five samples into those individual labs that have absolutely no dealings with each other whatsoever. To me, that's a controlled environment. And if we get, you know, results back from five labs and compare those results, you know, there it is, right? But we're not getting that. We don't get that. No, we're not. We're just seeing a single single study and on on a lot of different stuff. Yes. We're not, seeing not a single study. Yes. And there that's that's it. We need we need more data and we need we need to have that demand yep. for more data. We need to have independent because, verification as well. Because if you don't have a demand for all this data, then you run into these scenarios like what happened with Agner Gas Gasparin, I think is how you pronounce his last mm-hmm. name. Yeah. This was the guy that conducted experiments with table tipping. Mm -hmm. Now, for those of you who are listening who might not be familiar with table tipping, this is one of the easiest parlor tricks. Okay? And that's literally what it is, right? 100%. There are so many ways to conduct this table tipping procedure. And it is where people sit around a table and everybody is like, oh, hands away from the table. We're going to we're going to call on whatever spirit. So this is where you would call in Oogie the guys or, from yeah. Ghost Hunters. <laughs> and then they would start cussing and yelling at whatever spirits in the room, demanding that it show up. And then as soon as the table started shaking, they would pee their pants and run out of the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even just... though they knew that the table... I think, was that, stuck I think that was to ghost, a hydraulic pressure. Pit. That was Ghost Adventures, I believe, what you were thinking about, right? Uh, I don't know. The one that gets possessed every episode. Nah, it's Ghost Adventures, yeah. Yeah, Ghost Adventures. So yeah. you call the guys from Ghost yeah, Adventures. <laughs> but no, for real, uh, uh, you're right, though. The table tipping thing, the most simple version of it was on a hydraulic. And it was a button pressed hydraulic that was uh, a board would be loose over on the floor. And you could apply pressure to it, and it would hit the button that it would trigger the table to start well, tipping. You also have to remember, Joe, all of these seances, they were conducted in dark rooms. Yeah, they were. <laughs> you know. For uh, money. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's almost money. like Almost like... Leaving that major factor out. Well, yeah, for, it was for money. money. It was all for money. They were, con- you know, they were they were doing this. They had all these people who were interested in this one phenomena, and they all paid money to go do it. Boy, that sounds familiar. Let's go shine some lights in the sky. <laughs> the golden That's ones. That's all I'm gonna say to that. Don't use your night vision. Don't use your night vision. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you had that. Uh, you had table wrappings. You know, all that stuff could be faked. I mean, and I've seen some yes. some pretty, pretty 
pretty bad examples of that stuff uh, <laughs> that's been recorded. But just because it can be faked doesn't mean that it was always fake, does it? Yeah, because absolutely it, not. There's two things that's looking at because you you have the mediums that they're already in their space. Like like uh, if I have my space and I'm I'm going to their space to do whatever it is to get a, you know a reading or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. or if they're actually going to the reported haunted location mm-hmm. where they don't have as much time to prep to fake it, which I'm obviously they can still fake it. Right. But, we see more yeah. of that today, but back then, you know, they were doing it in, in the parlor, right? And that, I mean, that's how they did this. I mean, yeah. this. This was popular. Like this whole spiritual movement was going on in the 1800s. It was a big deal. It went up into the 1900s, I believe, if I remember it right. It did. Yeah. So it was a really big, and, there was no TV. No one had anything to do. Let's sit around and light some candles and talk to ghosts. I think a lot of this came, and all of this came from like all this, well, I mean, I guess superstition is what you really have to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, it all came from, like, you know, earlier superstitious times. And I know, like, the, I mean, cause in the medieval times, that they were highly superstitious, especially, you know, mm-hmm. in, you know in Britain. Oh, yeah. All, all, you know, Ireland and then Scotland. And very, you know. And all of those had amazing ghost stories, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the most scary ghost stories are from... You know, Ireland. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Ireland's a kind of scary place. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of uh, lore surrounding uh-huh. Ireland. Yes. And I think all this is that's what's kind of fed into this whole parapsychology and 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 and, 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 and like everything from uh, well, basically the, the, the table taping, you know, because mm-hmm. they. <laughs> yeah. So later. It's about 30-some years later, um, after the table-tipping frauds got exposed, Mm -hmm. it was time for more frauds to be exposed. So the Society for Psychical Research, and I'm telling you, if psychical can be a word, any of these other made-up words that I throw out on the podcast have just as much bearing. Okay, guys? Nah, it's not true. Oh, totally true. No, These words true. will be around forever. Yeah. We're on the internet, man. They're saved. Okay. <laughs> so this uh, this research center was founded in London in 1882. Mm-hmm. And uh, essentially, Eleanor Sidgwick revealed fraudulent methods that spirit photographers, such as Edward Eisdor Bouget... I think that's how you say his name, or no, Bouget. You had it, I think. Yeah, Bouget. And Frederick Hudson and William H. Mumler had utilized during the late 19th century, uh, basically exposing fraudulent mediums mm-hmm. by SPR investigators. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, and William H. Mumler, if I'm saying his last name correctly, I he think was. You are. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. <laughs> well, he's not around anymore, Dave. I mean, maybe we can get his ghost to come back and get on That's him. My... But... I don't think he'll care. I don't That's think my... so. Yeah. Hang on. Hey. I'll pull out the spirit box. We'll find out. <laughs> Go ahead. But, you know, um, and, I, I'm, and I'm, of course, I'm, you know, for the people who are listening, I'm obviously reading this off Wikipedia, some of this, but, but it's interesting to talk about um, just for the, the fraud that, that can happen. Um, mm-hmm. like here it talks about his first photograph was apparently an accident. Um, it was a self-portrait. 
um, that after developed, it revealed the spirit of a deceased cousin. Um, so, and, it, and it says here, like, you remember what his job as an engraver to, to pursue spirit photography full time. And it's just taking advantage of the large number of people who had lost relatives in the American Civil War. Um, and then it says here, you know, his two most famous images are the photograph of Mary Todd Lincoln with the ghost of her husband, Abraham Lincoln, and the portrait of Master Herod, a medium with three spirit guides. And I think this pretty much takes us right into, um, you know, as far as spirit photography, is there any evidence that it, that it's, there's fact it's, it's based in fact or is it is it, or is it all or is it, it is all is all a fraud i don't know man i've seen some uh i've seen some stuff and i think it's kind of like i don't know it's kind of like ufos in a way right i mean for yeah. every you know 98 of them that you explain away there's gonna be you know two or so that you just can't so it's kind of like I mean, that. it could very easily be the early 19th century uh, orb. Yeah. Ah, good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There are parallels here. Again, we are looking at the same exact crap. Yeah. Over and over again, just differently. It just has different names. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a lot of these could be explained away by simply uh having used plates right mm -hmm. yeah absolutely uh double exposures uh used plates like you said um because it it wasn't like you know today when you take photographs i mean these were these were a lot more complicated you know so you could definitely see uh that kind of stuff happening uh, as for modern, you know, I don't know, guys. I mean, I'm almost to the point now to where I don't believe any photo I see. I mean, it's sad to say, but really, I <laughs> because I know oh, how yeah, it's, easy it's it is so to hard. do, man. I, Photoshop, yeah, you know, Photoshop, the the apps, you know, the ghost apps and stuff. I mean, game over when that when that started. It was just like you can't believe anything. I mean, not really. Maybe if you took it yourself and you know for a fact, sure. But good luck convincing anyone because, you know, no serious researcher is going to look at that and say, oh, it's 100%. You know, and, and a, a friend and I just several years ago, um, we we just did a little impromptu investigation. Um, and for those that are familiar with, you know, the Lakin area of West Virginia, Virginia, which is not too far from Point Pleasant or Related to another topic we talk we talk about occasionally, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm sure you guys have heard of the it's the Lakin Industrial School for Colored Boys. That was a school mm -hmm. in the 50s and um, had a lot of um, really had a, has a lot of bad history associated with it. Um, but you know, a friend and I went there and we were taking pictures, and uh, in one of the photos, um, you know, I, I, you know, I got what looked like an apparition. Well. Mm -hmm. I knew better than to think it was an apparition. I was hoping it would be like we we all hope we catch something, but what it really was, it was it was most likely my breath. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We we were in a basement and it was in the fall and you know the air was crisp enough to where you could like a camera would probably pick up your breath, yeah. but not see it yourself. You know, you see that a lot too. I mean, you do see that as in people's. You know, like Joe said, there's orbs 
and uh, and like then like this, there's there's the mist, right? And you know the believers just jump all over that. That's a ghost, you know. I mean, and if I fake it, I could have gone and said, "Hey, this is a ghost," and I could sure. have had a bunch of, fooled a bunch of people, you know, which would have been highly wrong. I don't even think you had to fake it. All you had to do was put it online. Now, just put it yeah. on Facebook. Yeah, you don't have to fake it. You, don't you have can to just take respond. pictures of the sky. Yeah, and say yeah. there's UFOs, and people are like, "Uh huh." Oh, I see them. There's twenty of them. They're all invisible. They're using that cloaking technology. And which and is, if you're listening to us, and you're one of those people. Yes, we're talking about you. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I don't know who you are, but probably yes. And because. as investigators, it, it makes our it makes our our task much more oh, difficult. It's terrible. Well, yeah. yeah, it's terrible because what we have to deal with after someone does something like that is. Uh, you know, they want to tell their story. They want to tell what they've seen or experienced, but they're afraid. They don't want to because they're going to get made fun of because they know that you, this is a picture of a blank, you know, of, of a cloud. There's nothing there. It's an empty sky with clouds. And they're saying that there's something there. Well, I'm not going to say anything because that's that's just crazy. And, you know, they're right. And that's why it damages serious research. Yep, absolutely. But it makes money, you know. It makes uh, makes some clicky clicks and, you know, YouTube uh, stars and, and whatnot. So, I don't know. I mean, teach their own. But yeah. it does. It, it hurts serious research. It does. <clears throat> that and it hurts my fingers after so much typing of why it's not what yeah. they think it is. Yeah, and you usually, usually <laughs> get a lot of a kickback on that. They always come after you. For whatever reason, they, I know. they don't say much to me. I don't know why. It's like, maybe I'm not worthy. Maybe maybe I'm not really there. Maybe I'm a ghost. <laughs> I, I don't know. You'll occasionally get somebody that disagrees with you, and then, like, yeah, and it's you no, bust them down. But it's like, no fun. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. They, for whatever reason, they like to try to dogpile on me. For, they do whatever reason oh gosh yeah yeah they do but uh it's just funny i mean i don't know but you know that all aside dave i'm gonna tell you um I, to answer that question i have seen what i would consider to be legitimate photographic proof of something and there there it is again i know i use that safe word don't i all the time but i don't know what it is i see i've seen photographic proof of something but i don't well know. it's a safe word because it's a it it just is the right word to use. It's accurate. You know, I don't know what that is. I can't define that. It's some things clearly are not digital artifacts. Mhm. Mm they can't be explained by a lens flare, right? There are legitimate anomalies that can be caught on camera, but the minute someone tries to explain and say exactly what they are, eh, you start getting into some weird territory. Yeah, I think I had a conversation with someone who uh who was messaging us today and they were talking about experts. And I said, well, the minute that you hear the word expert, just turn and run. And because that's the truth. I mean, there are yeah. no experts in this stuff. So anyone says they are just turn and run and look for someone else uh, and try to find you some information you know, from, from somewhere else unbiased, I guess. But um, so, yeah, guys, I, I, yeah. I, I mean, I think that, that, that uh, so-called spirit photography or paranormal photography is a real deal. I mean, that's that's my call on it anyway. It, it has its place in an investigation. 
and the legitimate investigation for sure. Well, goodness, I, Dave. I mean, if it didn't have its place, we wouldn't go in when we do investigations and take, you know, hundreds and hundreds of photos for me to have to go look over. Yeah. And that takes forever to do, as we know. Oh, yeah. But I don't think people do know. I think that they think that when you go in, you know, it, an investigation is just, oh, they're they're going to walk through and, and talk, you know, and 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 make contact. It don't work that way. I mean, you go through, you document, you take tons of photos. I, I don't even remember how many photos we took when we did the bread factory, but it was a lot of photos. There were several hundreds. Oh, hundreds. Yeah. No question. And I had to look at each one of those. And any time that I saw something that looked a little funny, then I would go in and start doing a little bit of, you know, I have to overlay it a little bit so I could see if there was any, any, um, you know, anything really there. Like if you overlay in Photoshop, what that does is it takes the photo, puts it over top of the other photo, it applies a little bit of a lightness to it. So it'll bring out the digital data that's there. I mean, it may look like a black photo to you, but the digital data has been captured by the, by the chip on the camera. And that's kind of cool. But uh, that's also where you get in trouble because that's where pareidolia comes in sometimes. Yep. Yeah. So you got to be Pareidolia right is your worst enemy yeah. when it comes to any kind of research. And yeah. our brains are wired to find patterns. They sure and are. And by God, they're going to do it. They are. And yeah. it's so hard to discern with some things. A lot of stuff, it's like super easy to discern. Yeah. But there's some legitimate cases where when you look at the evidence, you're like, whew, yeah. this is tough. Yeah. Because that's what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. This we, is tough. Yeah. We can't explain everything away. And, uh, you know, and honestly, that makes me happy because I don't want to explain everything away. <laughs> it's a boring anyway. world. If we live in a world where we explain everything away, it's boring, you know? Well, speaking of the investigations, because of fraudulent activity was so, so prevalent. It suddenly had to become a course that was being taught in academic institutions here in the United States. Stanford University in 1911 was the very first in the U.S. to uh, have a study on extrasensory perception and psychokinesis yep. in a actual laboratory setting. And then in 1930, Duke became the second major U.S. academic institution to start its own program studying ESP, psychokinesis, and other paranormal activities in a laboratory setting. So, yeah. you know, we're looking at a 20-year span where the U.S. is taking this phenomena very seriously Mm -hmm. to try to prove and disprove many of the things that are going on in society. Absolutely. Now, these, uh, these laboratory ESP experiments used volunteer subjects from the undergrad student body. Yeah. And they've done that, or they, I don't know how long they continued this program, but it was actually a pretty longstanding program at both schools. Well, I actually did this in my school, so. Yeah, I actually use Zinner cards. Those are the psychic testing cards that Carl Zinner created. Um, and uh, yeah, so, you know, long live the legend, I guess. But uh, yeah. you're right. Um, that was the first time it was actually done. And the results were the results. I mean, they're still teaching this. So what's that tell you? Yeah, it's and, true. Uh, and, and hasn't now 
And hasn't our military even even looked into this type of stuff as well? No comment, Dave. <laughs> well, no, uh, yes, absolutely. That, yep. There's even a movie that uh, everybody just looked at, kind of confused about. It was called The Men Who Stare at Goats. Oh, it was actually greatest, based on a true story. The greatest movie ever. I mean, if you knew what was going on, oh, I knew exactly what was going on. It was amazing. But, but the majority of the folks who watched it was they like, no "What is this yeah, they craziness?" Had no they had no clue at all. And yeah, Dave, that was uh, that was from uh, a lot of the research that was conducted. Uh, at the Ryan Institute uh, for uh, for psychical studies, um, fact, yeah, that all you know they played into Stargate, they played into Gondola Wish, they played into all that. So yeah. And you, so tell yeah. our listeners just a little bit about the Ryan Institute. So the Ryan Research uh, Center, uh, the Ryan Institute, it was a uh, interesting place because they actually trained people. Uh, in some of the psychical uh, fields. And like, you know, we were talking, you know, uh, Stargate, all that. It all came from those those original teachings. So, you know, and then, of course, they contacted the Monroe Institute, and, you know, that all came into something completely different. But but it all had its heart uh, in in the actual, you know, the, the Ryan Institute and how um, how these tests all were taken serious in those days. I mean, it's one thing to say that someone has ESP, but it's another thing when you run a test and you you get someone who gets, you know, 24 out of 25 of the cards. You got to know there's something else going on. You're you're supposed to get five out of 25. That's how it's supposed to work. That's average. And then it goes up from there. But typically, you know, anything like eight or 10 hits out of five, or 10 hits out of 25, something like that, um, that's a little questionable, you know. I don't know if you guys have ever used Zener cards or have ever been tested with Zener cards. I don't think I ever tested you, Joe. Um, I've seen people tested with them, but nobody's ever tested me. Yeah, I'm surprised. I must have lost my deck by the time we met. But, because, uh, I mean, literally, I tested everybody. I know I tested Dave. Uh, I don't remember, but I'm sure you did. I tested did. No, you. But... I tested Craig. You know Craig is the only person who ever got a zero. I've never really? met anyone. And he looked at me that day and he said... You know, you talk about people getting 25 out of 25. It's what amazing. You, what do you think about when someone gets zero? I'm like, hmm, yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> but he did it. He got zero. Um, and, and, I, and I have seen, you know, 13s pulled. I got to the point where I could pull 13. And uh, it's all about how you concentrate and, and focus your your mind. There's nothing magical or mystical about it. It's just a part of your mind that we don't use, you know. And a lot of this did get hidden in uh, in a lot of uh, occult terms and terminology and whatnot. And, and that's what the Ryan Institute uh, and Duke tried to really bring out was that this isn't some kind of mumbo jumbo. This isn't magic or you know uh, some kind of uh, a belief system. This is real. It's just a part of our psychology that we don't understand. And I've, I've always heard growing up as, you know, through my childhood, that like human beings, we only use roughly 10% of our brains. Mm, it's close to that, yeah. You know, so it makes you wonder what we're capable of, why the other parts turned off, and, and how that might relate to, you know, to, to the paranormal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
but uh, yeah, so in 1965, J.B. Ryan, he reached uh, his retirement age, and then he left uh, Duke, and then he, he founded the uh, nonprofit organization called the Foundation for Research on the Nature of Man, and uh, you know, it, it, like I said, it just continues on and on, you know. This, there's still, to this day, there are people who are really trying to figure out all these things, you know, the, the whole psychic connections, like like you guys mentioned, remote viewing, you know. That's just now, for whatever reason, coming back around, people are talking about it again. I don't know. I mean, Well, was, part of it had to do with that big drop, the, the, the drop, CIA made. The CIA thing, yeah. It's true, because, uh, you know, I mean, those of us who knew or were in that, that world, we knew about it, and it was just like, it was it was just a matter of fact to us, you know. It was like I knew these guys weren't making this crap up, you know. But um, you know, I guess it's it's different when you read it in these big documents, isn't it? And then they come out and they're like, "Well, this is what happened and how it happened." But yeah, it does. It all points back to uh, to the institute and uh, and what went on there and how it was all taken serious. So that's that's basically that's basic parapsychology. It's the study of anything outside of normal psychology. And, uh, and that does include, you know, ghosts and psychic phenomena and, and all kinds of stuff. I mean, you know, disembodied voices, all this stuff. It's amazing how this crosses over into other paranormal subjects we talk about. Mm -hmm. Well, all of this really brings us up into modern day and the way that we currently investigate the ghost or spirit phenomena uh, using ITC EVP f equipment to pick up those transmissions or using ghost boxes and uh, various other items. So this is where I lean on you guys for the rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, ITC is, is, is interesting, isn't it? Uh, and what that is, is instrumental transcommunication or instrumental transdimensional communication, depending on whatever you want to call it. But and these were your original ghost boxes, mm -hmm. right? They were, yep. And uh, you know, the the thing about them is, uh, I think a lot of the problem is a lot of people think that you know your ghost boxes, your spirit radios. There's so many different names for these things. They are just you know uh, radio waves that are interpreted in, intercepted and then interpreted you know because what's happening is the channels are you know going you know between each other really fast and uh and they're stopping for just a, a few seconds and and then words get formed but real researchers true itc researchers parapsychology uh researchers they were breaking off antennas of these radios because they didn't want anything but the white noise so they were doing this, and they were using actual white noise generators to ensure that there was absolutely no way a radio signal was coming through these things, and it could be misinterpreted as an actual voice, okay? But that makes me question, how in the world do we, how does a spirit, a ghost, uh, extra-dimensional, etc., know how to manipulate those waves to make them sound like words, if that's the case. In our own experiences, you know, we've gotten, well, actually, I think it was, uh, I was looking at like, like the paranoia, like even in, in the EVPs, mm -hmm. you know, where we. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. But like, that's the, uh, I mean, we've had, we've had some EVPs where, and there's not just ones you, you and I have collected as, as a, an oral group ghost watch, but even uh, just, 
people all over the world that just do this, even just your everyday people, not, not even researchers, that they'll catch stuff that comes across and it's plain as day. Yes. I mean, it, it, it's like us talking now. You can hear the voice. And, and there's other times it's so garbled, you know, you have to use modern technology to try to decipher what's being actually said. Mm-hmm. And there's no way to really prove it one way or another. Yeah. You're 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 100 right, and uh, you know EVP electronic voice phenomena. That is probably one that almost everybody is familiar with, right? I mean, yeah, it's the one probably most used on TV. Yeah, yeah. And uh, back when I was doing the first EVPs, we were using actually magnetic tape. Uh, and those little mini recorders, remember those? The little tiny oh. cassettes. Oh yeah, yeah, those. And the thought then was that. In order to actually be recorded, then it was going to be manipulating the, uh, I guess the, the metallic makeup of the of the tape itself, like because you don't hear these; these are not um, auditory things. I mean, th- these are only caught on the tape or on the actual recorder. Well, they were recording EVPs on these old, you know, these old uh, systems, these old analog systems. And now we're still recording them on modern equipment with digital processing. So to me, I, I, that's almost like, I don't know, I can't explain it. It's almost like breaking the sound barrier without, you know, making a sonic boom. Okay. Because you've got something that's going on. It shouldn't be going on. If there's no hey. physical voice, where's it coming from? And how is it manipulating two separate kinds of equipment? You see? And what's really interesting too, is even with digital video, I mean, you can have the EVP going like a, a digital recorder. Mm-hmm. And you can have the video going as well. We're obviously recording digital. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, now you may not see you may not see anything in the video, but you could catch you could catch an EVP on the the video That's and right. the, the audio. But and it's so that kind of gives you, it gives you some validation that yes. okay, well something's happening. Yes. There was a, a very good one not too long ago. I was watching on uh, something. I don't know what it was on. And they were in Egypt. I don't know if you guys seen this one or not. And uh, it, they they were um, they were doing stuff. They were they were working near uh, some ruins or something, and they were they were recording. And the wind blows, and there's this sound. It's it's an EVP. It's 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 a voice. And they think that it's speaking in you know ancient e- Egyptian dialect. Of course, the skeptics are like, no, it's not. But, but yeah, I mean, I heard it, and, you know, when they play it back, and it, it sure does sound like what you would imagine to be, uh, you know, some form of, it's not, it's not quite anything you understand. And, you know, that's another thing. When we get these EVPs, a lot of these EVPs are exclusive to the person who is recording those EVPs. Oh, yeah, because... This is one of my favorite things about the EVPs. It's almost as if the first person to hear what in many cases could be audio paranoia. Mm-hmm. Once they tell you what you hear or what they're hearing, you hear it. Yes. And, and, and you know, I have an experiment, actually, uh, that we're going to conduct right here on the air. Um, I've got the ITC device on my iPhone and people do use this. It's kind of funny. And we were actually asked about this one time on our page. Um, it's, uh, as, as far as I know that there are some sensors in this phone. Uh, I did actually manage to do a little research on that and I was surprised. 
uh, that the iPhone at least has a, a couple of sensors that this thing is supposed to use. Uh, in a real ITC device like the uh, the Ovilus or something like that, um, it uses EMF. Uh, I believe it uses other, there's other things like temperature, there's touch, there's gyroscopes built in. It's very, you know, it's got a lot of sensors. It's a sensor box, basically. And any of these these sensors can trigger, you know, this massive random dictionary. So they kind of fake it with these little things. But just to give you an idea, I'm going to turn this on, and I, I want you to guys to tell me what you hear when I turn this on, okay? Like, if you hear words, you tell me. We're just going to let that play as we as we talk. So if you, if you hear something, you tell me what you think it sounds like. It sounds like Ron's trying to haunt us, Joe. That's what I'm thinking. Apparently there's no ghosts down here, guys. Well, that's probably a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is working great. <laughs> ah, well, anyway. Well, let's let it go and see if it, you know, see oh, what yeah. happens. I'm letting it go. Yeah, we can see what happens. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's just trying to tell us that Joe's made up words are legitimate. You think that's what it is? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm hearing. It might be, man. You know, and uh, with ETVPs and stuff, uh, you know, and of course, I, a lot of what I'm going to talk about is based on experiences Ron and I've experienced together, just to be relevant to the show here. But, you know, when when we were doing uh, investigations at the Bread Factory specifically, mm-hmm. of all the places that at least Ron and I have done together, that was the, I guess the best word for it, it's the craziest place. And, uh, you know, we, we were getting a lot of, we got several EVPs there that were, I mean, they were obvious EVPs. Like uh, we had one that said, okay. Yeah. The okay one was pretty famous, wasn't it? I mean, that was, uh, that was pretty good. Helps to have your volume on guys. If you're going to do a, an ITC, um, Uh, experiment, just see, here we go. There it is. Yeah. Ron's house is haunted now. Okay. So it's like we have Wayne back with us. Yeah. It's exactly like Wayne's here, right? It sounds like Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. Adam. Oh, see, Adam. So, see? Interesting. You heard Chad. I said trap. Trap. Trap Adam. Hmm. So you see, and we can sit here and listen to this. Ask. 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 See what I mean? I heard that one. I said ask. Yeah. Oh, guys, this is real time hauntings. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody start, start like cussing it out and yelling at it and then like scream and run away. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah, I didn't. I'd, I swear that's what it sounded like. And you heard it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. That was interesting. <laughs> I will say that was interesting. I'm sitting here trying to debunk this thing and it says my name. So, um, yeah. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. I'm turning that off. Anyway. You just said power off. Yeah, I know. I turned it off. When you turn it off, it, it actually oh. says that. So that's okay. So, I was about to say, holy crap. But you did. That's really good. You did. <laughs> it's a good one, right? <laughs> it's from the it's app store. And I. Um, but no, you get the idea though. I mean, it's a random bunch of, of, of words of phonetics there. And then the rest is for you to actually f- 
figure out now. What did it say? I mean, we you just say random. It says Ron. It did it though. I mean, that's the whole thing. Did it? Uh, you can rewind that and listen to it like I'm going to a few times probably. To... <laughs> but I don't know, guys. I mean, I know that that makes sense, and that's that whole thing of pareidolia. It it wants to make sense. Our mind wants it to make sense, like to have some kind of connection to it, right? So that's kind of how that works. And, and you know, did we really hear it say ask? I don't know. I mean, so I, I'm, I'm kind of in the in the in-between state with a lot of this stuff. Uh, EVPs, yeah, I've, I've heard them. And to be honest with you, it was one of the first hard parts of evidence to me that there was something actually there. It was repeatable. Anyone can do it. That's the scary part, okay? Uh, and... I think that it absolutely proves that there's something there. It has been replicated multiple times. And we can't say that it's always some kind of interference or, you know, uh, a sound that we're just kind of thinking we're hearing like pareidolia. It's real. I mean, the one that got me was the there's nothing upstairs or there's nothing up here. That's enough. I mean, when I heard that the first time, I'm like, okay, this is real. What is it? You know, I don't know. So... Yeah, as far as as, uh, ITC goes, that's legit in my book. I mean, I've seen too much, heard too much. I mean, not really seen. You can't see ITCs, but I've heard too much to uh, rule it out. You know, Ron, and kind of asking a rhetorical question, sort of, but, you know, in the the cases of the paranoia with the EVPs, you know, what makes our brain want to hear something that might not necessarily be what's actually happening? That's a good point, yeah. And maybe it's that unused portion of our brains, and right. we're just we're just trying to under, make sense of the world, so to speak. Right, right. But you know, uh, so EVP is probably the easiest thing that you, that you're going to use if you're going out on an investigation to do any of this stuff. And and obviously, we've seen them with the EMF meters and the trifield meters and whatnot. And I, you guys know how I, how I feel about that stuff. If you're going to use it, learn how to use it. You right. know, uh, not all not all EMF meters are created equal. You know, the male meter is probably one of the best ones out there, as far as I'm concerned. If you're going to get one, get one. I mean, it's a really good meter. Uh, it, it's an amazingly sensitive one, too. Uh, and if you're going to get for a tri-field, I know the digital one looks very awesome, guys. I really want one myself, but I want it for other reasons. But the old natural tri-field meter, if you can find it, uh, it has some, some uh, filtration that's built into that thing that actually makes it way more accurate to uh, non-60 hertz um, signals. So, and you know, the world runs on 60 hertz. So that's our, our electronics. So it kind of tries to filter those down. You know, and then in, in the case of investigating, as far as like we talked about digital cameras, mm-hmm. you know, reporters and all this, you know, just personally speaking to myself, I like the good old fashioned way of doing an investigation. For me, the good old fashioned way, of course, what I grew up with is, Obviously, the digital recorders and the mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, yeah, and like and like some of these newer things like the iPhone and I and I've brought this up to you before and this, you know, I'm I'm a little more skeptical. I'm not against using it, but I'm a little more skeptical about using that kind of technology because I feel like there's just being a person that's in IT, it's easier to manipulate some of that some of that technology. Mm, I think it's any digital is easy to manipulate, Dave. I mean. It is, I, it really is. It really is. 
you know, you can look at the uh, data on a lot of this stuff, and mm. uh, you can you can kind of tell if uh, if it, what it was, if it's been manipulated and whatnot. Usually, but um, honestly, I mean, unless you're running out there uh, with like thermals, um, night vision, you know, um, you you're not going to know what you're catching. Is what I'm trying to get at. I mean, you're out there, you're shooting these 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 things in the dark. All right. These can't. These phones are not meant to be used in in dark. You know this as well as I do. I mean, what yeah. happens if you're holding a phone, guys, and you take a picture, and it's in a dark room? The digital shutter tries to stay open, resulting in. I was going to say the flash goes yeah. off and blinds me, and well, I'm that could now too. laying in the floor in fetal position. That could happen too, and you know, I'm sure it does. But no, I mean, and you're going to get these little light trails and whatnot if there's any light in the room whatsoever. And oh my goodness, it's an orb or it's a it's a spirit. No, it's 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 your hand shaking because your camera, you know, the the shutter's open. I mean, it's normal. There's nothing paranormal. I mean, how about else that. do people think that those like, uh, oh, what are they called? Sparkler photos are made. Yeah, yeah, like light paintings, right? Like, yeah, light mm -hmm. paintings. Yeah, and the the Love stuff where people will light a sparkler and they'll they'll mm -hmm. do light paintings with yes. a uh, yeah. <clears throat> with a, a really good camera. Yeah, you're right. You leave with your the shutter, shutter speed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's it. And, you know, that is how you capture all the weird crap. It really is. Yeah. And, so, and that's how you, you know, you shake your phone around while the shutter's open and you're going to get a weebly wobbly yeah. light in your picture. You really are. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. And it's not a ghost. It's not a UFO. It might be your diabetes. <laughs> it, it could but, be. But, you know. I suppose. It's definitely yeah. not something paranormal. It's not paranormal. But uh, but it does, you know, we do see this stuff a lot, don't we? I mean, constantly. So that's why in investigations, too, you, it's like we were talking about earlier, you, you have to have a control. Um, that control, of course, part of that in an investigation we may do locally, maybe like making sure that we're the only people in the building, like the, the, the core group mm -hmm. that's investigators, no one else yeah. in the building. Control so. and baseline were always the big things, you know, to go through and get that baseline and you know what you're. You know what everything's at. You know what the, and we do this. Joe got to see that mm -hmm. with the whole Bigfoot thing. You know, we were out there um, with, uh, well, we thought it was Bigfoot. We don't know what it was. You know. Oh yeah, the the big radioactive yeah, bear. Yeah, radioactive bear. You know, that whole thing. But uh, that's you got to see that. I mean, we took a baseline of of the whole area and 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 we compared it, and you seen the difference. You got to see the baseline, right? And at work. Yep. And what we see when a lot of these guys, oh, I'm going to go, you know, look for ghosts. Okay, you see them pull out their little EMF meters and they walk through the house. Okay, what you don't see is them taking the baselines to know the difference between what it means when those numbers start going up, because you might. So be, what does it all mean? When those numbers start actually going up, once you have your baseline set, what does well, it all mean? Well, if I've got my baseline and I know that the house that I'm in is like 0.1 milligauss or something like that, you know, uh, and I go down a hallway and all of a sudden it jumps to, say, I don't know, 0.5. Well, okay. Is there something there? Like, what's there? So we start looking and we'll look for, and you've seen this, Dave. We did it. Um, ballasts refrigerators mm -hmm. on the other side of the, the wall, uh, electrical conduits, all these things can, can cause that. And it's important that you investigate every single one of those before you actually go in and do your investigation, like your real core investigation. Like getting baseline, that, that should take hours, I mean, to do it right in a big yeah. place. 
and, and if somebody's living in this, oh, like, let's say it's it's the, yeah. the, you know, the electrical part, somebody's living in that, I mean, it, it affects them. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it affects their body. The theory is that the higher the EMF, that yes, it can absolutely affect your uh, your mental state in some people. And, you know, I mean, typically it's not that high, but every now and again you do get something. But, uh, yeah, it's important to understand that. And it's also important to understand that other than the male meter, uh, these other devices were pretty much designed for technical work. They were designed to look for electrical, their EMF, you know, actual electromagnetic magnetic force, electromagnetic force. There's the word I'm trying to look for. Um it's actually made for that. It's not look. It's not made to look for ghosts or anything like that. It's just something that we started using, you know. And I guess it's kind of like synthesizers when they first came out, you know. Well, were... well, you, well, you start using and you start seeing some results, and it's like, huh, we might have something yeah, here. Yeah. So let's use it, right, as a tool. But uh, that's what it kind of means, Joe. Uh, it means that you you have to get very familiar with your equipment. And you have to know how to use that equipment or that equipment can give you some very, very, uh, not false readings, but you may be interpreting those readings as something that isn't really there. So with all the stuff that we've got today, where is the future of this kind of study moving towards? Like hmm. what, where do you guys see us being in the near future? Uh, you know, in all honesty, I, I mean, the technology is getting better and better. Um, I don't see it really changing a whole lot, to be honest, because it's it's a field that's still yet to be taken absolutely serious. You know, um, mm-hmm. I think you might have people taking like the Sasquatch Bigfoot stuff a little more serious than the like than like ghosts or paranormal, just because you know a Bigfoot could be a tangible thing, whereas where a ghost, we can't really necessarily say yes, this this exists, definitely exists, because there's I guess really the only way to truly know is when you, when you, when you die, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to be blunt. <laughs> um, yeah, but, yeah. but the investigation tools though, like, you know, in the, in the, in, well, in the recent, recent uh, past, you know, we were just using simple digital recorders. And like Ron said earlier, we, you know, we were using the old tape recorders at one time. Now we've got like these uh, H6, a zoom H6 recorders, the zoom H8s, these, these advanced field recorders has, I mean, there's all this technology in them that can pick up, and we have tons of sensors, sensors, yeah. IR sensors, you know, um, zero light uh, photography, uh, full spectrum photography. There's there's just so many things that you could throw at it now. And uh, and it's being, you know, it's starting to be taken a little more seriously. I mean, you guys saw the uh, the New York Times thing, right? With Bigelow. Yeah. Good old Bigelow yep. again. And if anyone is going... He seems to show up in yeah. literally every paranormal field. Yes, yes, he does. And uh, he is he's the Tony Stark of the uh, paranormal world. He pretty much has his, his, you know, billions of dollars, I think, invested in trying to figure out and, and <laughs> you know, somehow make money off of the paranormal, it kind of seems like at times, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, he's literally offering, you know, million dollar in prizes for evidence for survival of consciousness after permanent bodily death. So, Dave, I got an idea. <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm very afraid. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We're going to take a, a car battery <clears throat> yeah. and we'll hook the other end up to your nipples. 
Well, and then yeah. we're going to see yeah. hmm. if we can win a million dollars. It's Jeff back. Oh, no. What, what, what was the 80s movie that had, a, I think it had Keith Hussler one, another one, where, where they, they were all doctors and they were... Flatliners. Flatliners, yeah, yeah. That's what we need to do. Flatliners, man. That was a great yeah. movie. I, I don't know. That was a good movie. That was a good I was just going to see if, you know, we get this thing ready. So when we kill you, um, you can come back. You can just transition straight to the box. Yes. I, I'm going to turn it on for you. Like, it's on right now. So literally, all you got to do is hop into this thing. I mean, I don't know how to do that, but you'll figure it out because you'll be dead. And apparently, when you're dead, you're super smart. So, you know, I'm going to turn it off. There we go. Marvelous. Okay. Yeah. Marvelous. Yes, we know what you are. <laughs> it's ready. There we go. Yeah. You know, talking about that, that kind of, you know, in, in future conversations, uh, future shows, we can talk about. Dave, you'll be dead. Um, Paul, yeah, that's bad. Or you guys can talk about it and try to communicate with me. You're right. Right. There we go. Yeah. Now you're thinking. I mean, you have to talk through this. So. You can determine if I'm interdimensional or if I'm actually in some spirit realm right. or purgatory. Or, yes, that's or, your job. Your job is to report back from the afterlife, Dave. And then our job is to we go will to... We'll make sure to get enough peyote mm -hmm. to take us to the spirit realm. Well, I was going to just go call up Bigelow and confirm it, and then we were just going to, you know, say, sorry, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a great idea, right, ITZ? So yeah. this is how we get proof. Yeah. Yeah. It agrees. I'm pretty sure it said... I don't know what it awesome. said. Awesome. 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 Yes. That's yes. it. It's so, on board. There it is. It's what ready. What go wrong? It's ready for you, Dave. I got your home how right we, here. How do we know Ron's not manipulating this thing right now? Hmm, see, see? Yeah, I'm not. But yeah, exactly. You brought a good point. But uh, yeah. So... I'm just going to let that run. But, uh, yeah, guys, uh, th I told you that this was going to be a fun... Uh, all right, that's enough of that. I told you this was going to be a fun subject. But, um, yeah, we can go a lot deeper with it, and we will in future episodes. Uh, if people want to hear anything, you know, specific about parapsychology, ghosts, uh, if you're interested in any of that, let us know. We'll, we'll tailor a show right around it for you. I mean... Absolutely. Because literally, there are, I mean, every one of those things could be a show. I mean, we could we could spend a, a whole show just talking about EVPs and ITCs. And, you know, I could even just turn this on for a whole show and just let it talk. Just let it, yeah. yeah. This, this could be the show. Ron. <laughs> and freak people out. Yeah. Yes. We're going to have to play that back, you know, and uh, and oh, see, yeah. see what that actually says. Mm. Well, Dave, thanks for joining us on this episode. Uh, this has been a really fun one, especially to have you on board with. Um, for anyone who wants to support the show, head over to wildandweirdwv.com. Click on the shop tab. You can order from our store. If you want to catch up on the podcast, go over to wildandweirdwv.com. Click on the podcast. We've got like a year's worth of stuff for you to catch up on. If you've had a sighting or some strange weird occurrence, if you hear noises in your basement or your attic, 
if you've seen spooks, specters, or orbs, or Us anything of the like, go to the Wild and Weird web, wildandweirdwb.com and click contact. Then you can fill a report out, and if it's something that we're able to actually come and investigate, we will actually do so. I might bring this thing, too. It's fun. And we might just bring him Us along just for the road trip. Thanks. It just, it said, just awesome. said awesome again. It said awesome when I said I was going to bring it along. It said awesome. You heard that, right? Okay, I guys. Did. You heard that. Okay. It's coming along. It's going on a road trip with us. God help us. Yep. So, listen to radio. I know, right? So, till next time, stay wild oh, and hopefully not haunted. <laughs> <laughs>